0: Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? My name's Tim, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. Uh, Greater Alton is about families. That's what we're talking about in this new series I'm starting called "Bless This Mess." I don't know if you ever watch uh, TV uh, the uh, the show that's uh, they've got "Bless This Mess." It's about a, a couple that moves out to Nebraska, and they're just they don't know anything about farming, so they're completely out of their element. And uh, as I was thinking about the, what we were going to do a next series on, I wanted to do it on uh, families. And today I want to talk a little bit about, uh, why God blesses us with a family. Sometimes you may wonder why God blesses you with a family, especially when you look it over for a while, you go, why did I get this? Right. You know, <laughs> this mess. Okay. But, uh, there's a reason God put you in the family that you have. You didn't ha- you had very little choice. He chose your family for you. And there, there's a reason for that. And, um, and it's because um one of the things about about family is is it's family is very close to God's heart. I mean it's his idea. He created he created families. And so he designed families and he and be, it's because he created you for family and he created you to be in a family. You need it. We need it. So let's talk about I want to give you five reasons why God blessed you with the mess you have, okay? Number 1, families supply companionship they supply companionship right off the bat in genesis 1 the bible says it's not good god said this it's not good for man to be alone he says i'll create a companion for him a perfectly suited partner you know i got you you first think about this i've had people say to me you know what god did god think this through i mean did he make a mistake here and caught it in other words, he made Adam by himself. He says, this isn't good. Well, God, did you mess up here? Did you make a mistake? He didn't make a mistake. He did this on purpose, not for his, not for his benefit, but for your benefit and my benefit. He wants us to get something down. He wants something to be crystal clear. You and I were made for companionship. We're not. It's not good to be alone you say, some of you say, well, I like getting alone every once in a while. You know, I'm one of those people too. I always want to, I want, I think I want to get away from it all. I was at the airport at Tucson airport for five hours the other day and I was by myself, nobody around, nobody to say, so is the sermon notes ready? No Tom Tarantino to mess with me. You know, my wife wasn't she's she was 1500 miles away, you know, although the phone makes it accessible. She isn't there going, Hey, have, are we going to get the ladies Brochure, Ladies Retreat brochure done? Not, I didn't have any of that. I'm all by myself. What do I do while I'm by myself? I talk to strangers. <laughs> How you doing? My name's Tim. I'm from Illinois. Where are you from? I'm from Utah. I'm from California. I just got off a, a, a luxury liner. Good to see you. Move on. I mean, I, we're made to be social. We're made to to, to to... We're not made to be alone. And so God has designed families... To meet those social needs, if you were like me, you, uh, uh, if you were like me, and you had a brother or a sister, did you argue with them a lot when you were kids? You fought about everything. Dad used to grab Danny and I by the hair and literally pop our heads together, bump them together, get along with each other. And he, and one time he said to us, one of these days, if you don't fix this, you're going to grow up, and you're gonna, you're never going to be close to your brother. And we're crying, you know, five, six, oh, man, we don't want that. And we're best friends. You know, why? We're, you know, we're made families supply uh, companionship. Number two, families help me in times of adversity. They help me when it's tough. Look at this passage here in Proverbs. It says kinfolk are born for times of trouble. You know, why do I have a family? I have a family because sometimes life gets difficult. In this little book I keep quoting called The Seven Things That Kids Never Forget, it's by a guy uh, named Ron Rose. He says that one of the things that kids never forget are failure and difficulties. The tough times in life. The, the disappointments in life. The moments they're afraid. When their heart is broken. When they feel rejected. And when all that happens, you know, what do you do? What what, what do you have to help you through those times? You have a family to help you through those times. Whether it's a skinned knee or a broken heart. It's mom and dad or or brother or sister that understand. They understand you. I've noticed that some of the closest families I know happen to be families that have went through great tragedy. Have you noticed that? Some of the closest families, some of the the people that you're closest to, you're going to find you probably have shared some tragedy together. It just draws us closer. And so God gives us me a family, gives you a family for those moments. Number three, God establishes godly values through families. Families establish godly values and build godly character. It's where it starts. I remember when my sons were born, I wrote them a letter. I was nervous I'm a dad now. Oh no. Like, like my life wasn't significant enough already. Now it's gotta be. I, I can't, I gotta really get this right. Why? Because those two sons in my house are gonna learn from me and from my wife, not only the, 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 the values that we have, they're gonna also incorporate this godly character. Any godly character I have, any character period that I have. And so God supplies this through family. He establishes this early. It, it's like He's saying, if I'm going to teach kids or if I'm going to teach spouses, if the families are going to learn about my values and character. I'm going to not send them to a school. I'm not going to say, I'm going to put them in a family unit. Um, Look at this passage here in Malachi 2. God wants husbands and wives to become one body and one spirit. You know what I think is interesting about that is the Bible lifts up marriage. Not living together, but marriage. Not shacking up together, but marriage. Why? Why is that so important? Because you establish godly values and godly character when you bring families together. Our kids catch that stuff. It says here, why? So that they would have holy children and protect that spiritual unity. I read this this week. I thought I was blown away by this. They, they did a survey of 272,000 students. And here's what they found out. One of the things they found out was, was that parents are three times more influential than anybody else in their life. Is that something? Three times more influential than anybody else in their life. What's that tell me? My kids, my family, the home is the most influential place on the planet. It's true. The hand that rocks the cradle. There's something about that. Now, I know sometimes we have a plan. Some of parents, we go, you know, i got this plan. If I can get my family around the best people, so sometimes I'll manipulate the school system and try to get them in that one teacher. Anybody brave enough to admit they've done that? They've tried to do that? Try to get in there? And move. Yeah, we try. I want, them, I want them with this, not this one. I don't want them. One of my sons had a kindergarten teacher named Mrs. McKinney. We didn't want her. We didn't want Matt in Mrs. McKinney's class. Mrs. McKinney, she's old, she's ready to retire. And sure enough, Matthew ends up with Mrs. McKinney. And he comes home, oh man, Mrs. McKinney, what's wrong? All she wants to do is put us on the carpet and bang on the piano and sing songs. I want to learn something. He's five. And I'm thinking, yeah, I know, because the other kindergarten students making a rocket. and They're sending one of them to the moon. I mean, this is... I wanted them in that class, you know, and sometimes maybe you or you think, oh, if I get them in the, if I get them in the right church, get them in a good church. And by the way, is there anything wrong with getting our kids or getting our spouse or, you know, I don't know how many wives will say, would you talk to my husband or would you, would you make sure you pay attention to him a little bit or, 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 or you'll try to get somebody with a key person? Why? Because we know that it's good. Iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. We know that the Bible says it's good to have good relationships like that. So we, oh, let's put them in a, let's, let's get them in this special sports thing that, but only a certain kind of kid, you know, we don't want the troublemaker kids or whatever, you know, and we're all, we're all about that. I'm here to tell you this morning that it's not necessarily Getting your people around the best people, but being the best person. Focusing on being the best person in your family that's going to make the biggest difference. I've talked to, I don't know how many parents I've talked to. Some of you are in the crowd. And I listen to you. And I know it's it's hard. It's hard, man. When them kids start hitting the teenage years. I remember one time, why is my kid doing this? I never smoked pot in front of them. I I never did that in front of them. You know, or, or I'll hear somebody say, I don't understand why my kids be in this way. We never argued in front of them. Listen folks, your kids do not necessarily catch your behavior. They catch your values. And you can't hide them. They catch what you're, what matters to you. And see, that's the soil in which behavior grows in. Is the values. and my mom would, if my mom were here, she, if I had her do a testimony, you know, she'd say, I was an awful parent. I didn't do a very good job. She says that she's 88. She's still telling me, you know, Tim, I just don't know how you boys turned out the way you do. It was only by the grace of God. Oh, and I go, I don't disagree with her, in mind you. Now I don't say, well, mom, you know, no, no you were a great mom. I mean, and she was a good mom. And I, I just wanted to tell you this morning, I guess, is that, is that, God will help you. And and your kids and your spouse and your, your nephews, your nieces, your grandchildren, your parents, your grand- all of us together as a family, listen, God is wanting to use it to establish his values and build character. And he will help you. He will help you. Look at the Bible says here, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. It says teach them diligently, I think is the King James. Impress them, make an impression. One time I caught a a ball hit by Mark McGuire on the bleachers and it hit my hand so hard it left an impression. I saw the stitches from the baseball in my hand. I mean, it's a lasting impression. You know what I'm saying? You're going, ouch! Oh my goodness, that was hit by Mark McGuire. I should have wore a glove. And he's saying here, his parents and his families, we're to, first of all, to impress on our hearts and then pass it on to our children to diligently do that. Now, I know, I know there's times I've heard parents say this. Well, I want my kids just to grow up and make up their own mind about God. And, you know, here they are five years old. Like they have the maturity to you know. I don't want to shove it down their throats. Let me tell you something, folks. You might, you may say, that's what I'm going to do. You go ahead and do that. And while you're not shoving it down their throats, the world's shoving all kinds of crap down their throats. And think about it. Do you say, you go ahead, if you want to play in the street. No, you you stop them while you're shoving that down their throats. What are you doing? See how we pick and choose. And so it's so important, just, so, just to understand, that's why God gave us a family. And by the way, I'm still trying to obey Deuteronomy 6 here. Even though my kids are grown up and they got kids. I'm still thinking, how, how do I impress on their hearts? Now I want, I want to make something clear here as we're talking about God using families to establish these godly values and, and, and this godly character. It doesn't work just from parents to kids. It works the other way around. I heard a parent say this to me one time. Never forget it. She says, she said, this mom said, if you get my kids, you get me. What's that mean? Yeah, parents, okay. Kids, you know, kids, kids say they're two times, two or three times more influential than anybody else, but you know, I've learned something. Kids have a big influence on parents. 85% of the purchasing that parents make, they say are influenced or strongly influenced by their children. Hello! 3% said not at all. I don't think they had kids okay is that something and i got thinking i could not find any any studies that talked about other than that that said something about the impact of kids the kids have on the parents but i i know we all know parents the big secret they kind of run us around and rule us sometimes don't they what we worry about them. we want to make sure they're happy we don't want to break any promises we want them to grow up protected and all that's good and stuff but man sometimes they they have way too much power why is why is ellie and and why is Mabry, little bitty kids have so much power over papa you call me prickle pants i you might get a punch in the nose not them they get a hug what's that all about no it works the other way around too look at this passage i thought this was fascinating i found this passage last year from the mouth you ever heard the mouth from the mouth of babes this is where it comes from from the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have established strength the psalmist says you have established something very strong and the cooing the gurgling is what one translation says when a baby gurgles it's so strong, it silences the talk of the enemy. I said, Oh and I got to thinking, what's that look like? Oh, I'll tell you what it looks like. There's a big argument in the kitchen. Dad's done something, spilled something. Mom's mad. They're arguing. And they're yelling and they're throwing stuff. And all of a sudden, shuts that argument down. What was that? Was that my kid? Well, he must have fell. That's how strong and influential. A baby? They're, they're just so helpless. You know, they do nothing. They eat and dirty stuff. Oh, they do so much more. And the Bible says that just their cry is like praise to God. It's that powerful. See, what do I learn? I learned from my grandson the other day, transparency. Or eat, where he's eating carrots and he chews them twice and swallows them. That's not good for his digestive system. He's just eating carrots as fast as he can, dipping them in ranch, more ranch, more ranch. Later we're looking at a video and all of a sudden this horrendous odor. What? I go, farted he goes it was me And i'm going meyer you haven't learned to lie you haven't learned to hide that i'm thinking it was a sbd you know silent but deadly we heard no noise just that ranky smell he goes it was me and then i said goodbye to him later in the day go well see you later stinky goes like i can't help it And what do we learn from kids? We learn. And that's why I want to say, whatever age you are, I'm 62. My mom's still learning from me. And I can be 16. And my mom and dad's still learning from me. I can be 13. My mom and dad's still learning from me. And they're not learning, oh, these young people, what's wrong with them? That's not the only lesson they're learning. They're learning stuff like transparency and purity. And being straight up. Because you can't get stuff past a kid. They call you out. How dare you? Well, you ought to thank your lucky stars. You learn things you learn things like like uh like I say like I said, transparency, purity, obedience. And I tell you something I learn, I learn from watching kids is forgiveness. Why is it that a kid can be a knockdown fist fight? You might your hot wheel car to be mine I'm thinking, oh there's the end of that friendship. And then thirty seconds later they're walking around What's that all about? See, we learn things. God says, "I use the family, the whole fa- the whole family." So, if you're a teenager or if you're a young person, and you think, "Well, the, they don't learn anything from me," don't do That's not true. They're learning stuff. They don't want to admit it. If you're an old person and you're thinking, "Well, I'm over the hill and nobody's listening to me anymore. I'm just a fixture in the family," I got news for you. They're learning from you too. That's what God does it for. He brings us together to do that. Number four, families teach. We teach each other in families what God is like. There are two essential elements in family. Marriage and parenting. Marriage and parenting. And they both are great tools that God uses to teach, how we teach each other about God. For example, good marriages show how God feels about the rest of the family. Mom and dad, when you have a good marriage, your kids grow up secure. They grow up going, wow, this is what love is supposed to be like. This is this is how, if they're a young man, they learn, oh, this is how you treat women when they watch dad. It's awful quiet. Uh, ladies your your daughters and your sons uh, we we they learn both learn they learn by the way if you've got a father that isn't treating mom very good guess what the daughter's going to say i don't want to have a man like that or i'm not going to respect men like that period if you have if you have a, a son and they watch mom and or and they and they watch mom and house because you know what i don't want to have anything like that if it's, if it's, if it's nagging and just digging and fighting all the time. No, they, they need to see this is how we, this is how we, we honor God. And I learn, like, like the Bible says that, that, uh, Jesus and the church are like a husband and wife. I learn a lot about how God feels about me as his child, how he feels, how he feels about me as a person. Simply through watching mom and dad. I remember the boys, sometimes I'd, I'd say, you know, we're sorry for our, we don't, we argued in front of our kids. We argued in front of them. And, uh, and I said one time, I said, guys, I'm really sorry. I, I go, you probably, are you ever worried about mom and dad getting divorced? And, and they go, they, they look at me and goes, no. Oh, but we argue all the time. Sometimes we argue like for days. Yeah, but you argue over church stuff. <laughs> What's wrong with you? And I thought, you know, Denise I went, wow, we argue over church stuff. That's what they're catching. I don't want them to learn that either. Hello. You know, know, some of you, uh, you go home and you have fried chicken and fried preacher. I've heard that said years ago. I'll tell you, sometimes preachers have fried members and fried chicken at, at lunch, whining and complaining. You know, we all do it. What are our kids catching? That's what I'm saying here this morning. You know, we we uh, teach each other about how, what God is like, and parenting does this. I'm I noticing for me personally that parenting teaches me, teaches me personally how God feels about me. Because when you become a parent and you start working with children, then you see, oh, that's why God wants this. That's why God does this to me. Oh, that's why God has that motive. That's why He works it this way. Look at the Bible, says in Isaiah 49, Can a mother forget her little child and not have love for his own son? Yet even if it should be, I'll not forget you. And so I learned things like the motive of God, the discipline of God, the patience of God. How, oh, you, my kids are trying my patience. You know, I'm at the end of my rope and I'm thinking, and I realize, wait a second, is that how God feels sometimes? And yet he continues to be patient with me. And you know, and, and to me, the, it's like the family gives the eyes, arms, ears, feet. It gives the 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 movement of God's love, is seen, in all of the members of a family. So I experience His love through family. And number five, uh, another reason is that families work together to accomplish God's purpose. He gives me a, He gives me a family to fulfill His purpose. You know, the primary group I notice in the Bible that God chooses to work through are families. Have you noticed that? Noah's family, Abraham's family, Moses' family, even Jesus' family. Look at this, the first family. Here's the first family. It says, you and this woman, and he's talking to Satan, not to Adam. You and this woman will hate each other. I just want to clarify that. <laughs> He says, he's saying to Satan, you and this woman will hate each other. Your descendants and hers will always be enemies. And look what it says. One of hers will strike you in the head and you'll strike him in the heel. He's saying, your family and his family are not going to get along. They're going to be enemies, in fact. And what this family is going to do, Satan, is going to crush your head. Because that's what I want to see happen. And so God uses families to accomplish His will. And why does he bless me? Why does he bless my family? So I can bless others. Look here at what it says about Abraham. Through you, every family on earth will be blessed. He's telling Abraham, through you, through your family, through this promise to having a son, and you're going to have as many as the stars of the sky, every nation, everyone on earth is going to, every family on earth is going to be blessed. You're blessed because of Abraham being blessed. Aren't you glad he he said, "Okay, my family will do that. We'll let you use us." And it's today. And and today, it's this willingness that your family. You say, "God, you've got my family too. You know, you you you've got my child. You've got me, and if you've got me, you've got my children too. And I want you know, I'm going to dedicate my family to accomplish your will." Look at this passage here. I just thought this was very interesting. God continued speaking to Abraham and Sarai, which, by the way, means princess. Sarai, your wife. Don't call her Sarai any longer. Call her Sarah. I'll bless her. Yes, I'll give you a son by her. Oh, how I'll bless her. And Look what it says. Nations, plural. Nations will come from her. Kings of nations will come from her. He says, I want to use your family to bless all kinds of people and even kings and leaders and influential people are going to come from your family. Now it's interesting, Sarai means princess. Sarah means my princess. I thought, what's it? it's, it's, it's just a little, little different thing on the word, a little adjustment. It goes from princess to my princess. And what's, what is he saying to Abraham? I want you to know, Sarah's a princess. But I want you to change your name to my princess. I want you to know that Abraham all of a sudden looks at his wife differently and says, Okay, you're not just my wife. You're God's wife. And those my sons and my daughters are not just my sons and daughters. They're God's sons and daughters. See what I'm saying? That's what he's saying. He's saying this to Abraham. He's saying, I want you to see Sarah, see somebody in your family differently Than just that's my my wife. No, that's God's wife. This is God's husband, ladies. You look at your that's that is not just my husband. That is God's husband. And God's wanting to use him. And God's wanting to use the wife, not my wife, but just see it that way for my purpose. No, it's God's wife. And I look at my sons and my grandkids, or my grandparents, or my uncles, or my aunts, and I go, you know, these are gods, not just mine, they're gods. And God wants to use them to accomplish His will. And so God uses, wants to use your family this morning is what I'm trying to tell you to, to, to understand. He wants to use your family to accomplish His will. Now, as we get in this series, because this is an introduction, as we get in this series I got to thinking, what do I need to remember? Because when I start thinking about, okay, God wants to accomplish His will. God wants to, te- wants to use my family to teach godly values. God wants me to supply support and companionship. You know, And I start thinking about that. I start going, my fa- does God know my family's a mess? I don't even know if we can do this. I mean, I start looking at, the, you know, uh, we're going we're to make you a baseball team. And you look at your team and go, we're in trouble. Maybe you feel the same way. You look at the family and go, I don't know. God, are you sure you want to use us? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, what do I need to remember through this series? Well, number one, no family's perfect. Let's get that, amen, Yeah, let's just get that straight. No family's perfect. Um, I know a lot of families, most families, we try to convey this image. We try to project this image. We don't want, but we're all messed up. Let me tell you what one. Um this family's interesting. Ran across this family years ago. They had the most incredible wedding you'd ever seen. It was just spectacular. Um, you could say, without exaggeration, you could cut the presence of God with a knife. It was so spiritually centered, it was an amazing wedding. It was a and 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 this couple you could say they this couple, when I think about them, yeah you could say, their marriage was made in heaven. And they were just they they worked together, they were in sync. They could finish each other's sentences. It was like they were just like, like Rocky would say, you know, like Adrian, you know, you like a puzzle, you fit this. They fit perfectly together. They knew what the other one was thinking. They were so tight, so close, and they worshiped together on a regular basis. They went they were sure they made sure they were together with when they went to God, they wanted to, to experience worship together. And you're thinking, man, this one's this this one's not gonna end in divorce. This is gonna make it and then Satan gets involved like he does in any relationship that's good he wants to make it bad and he starts messing with their values messing with their thinking and then all of a sudden one of them starts thinking about they're not as focused they still look like they love each other but then things get kind of weird and then all of a sudden somebody makes a huge mistake no longer are they intimate, very intimate anymore. They, they 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 shared everything, and now they seem to be kind of apart. They're hiding things, details from each other. They're not telling each other everything. And as far as worshiping God, their attendance is sporadic. It kind of tapers off. And what's 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 sad about it is is that it gets worse they go through they go through a financial collapse they're evicted from their home is a true story i'm telling you about i know this couple they got evicted from their home folks they have kids and it's so bad the sibling rivalry is so bad one of them is murdered child is murdered by a brother Who is this family? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, the first family. Look what the Bible says about Adam. When Adam sinned, sin entered the entire human race. What's he saying? Every family is messed up. If the first family isn't perfect, if the first family screws up, and that was the one God put together, okay? Who am I to think that my family's perfect? You follow me? As one, let's just get it out, let's just get it right out on the table. No family's perfect, and let's all just relax a little bit here. As we go through this series. You know, what do I do knowing that my family's not perfect? Can I encourage you, don't cover it up, but lift it up to God and say, would you bless the mess? Just help me with this. Just have some humility and say, Lord, just to help, help, help me through this series to learn some principles that you want me to incorporate that you bless. Number two, I need to remember something else. I want to encourage you to remember something else, and that's to clarify the purpose of your family. What's the real purpose? Clarify that. You know, there's the Rockefellers. Some of us know who the Rockefellers are. Um, I want to get everybody involved here. The Kardashians, we know who they are. If you don't know the Rockefellers, you know the Kardashians. And you say, well, I don't know either family. Okay, how about how about uh, the Flintstones? Do you know them? Or the Simpsons? And I'm not talking about Jim and Suzanne here. I'm talking about, you know, Dole! I'm talking about those guys, okay? And what do we know? They, they have a reputation. They all have this reputation. They all have some kind of purpose. Well, my family, your family has a reputation too. I mean, ask yourself, what is my family going to be about? Or maybe this better question. Is it clear in everybody in the family what our purpose is, what we're going to be about as a family? I love this passage. It's in Joshua 24. Joshua makes it real clear. Look what he says here. If you decide that it's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today. Just make up your mind. He says, if you want to choose one of the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the river, in other words, the Egyptian gods, because he's talking to Israel. He's talking to the families of Israel. He says, if you want to choose the old gods that your grandpa, your tradition, all your traditions that teach you to, to embrace, if you want to do that, do it. Do it. Okay, go ahead. Well, maybe it's one of the, he says here, choose one of the gods your ancestors worshipped from the, the he says, or one of the gods of the Amorites on whose land you're now living. Maybe it's a God that you've you've discovered here. You don't want the old traditional God, but it's a new way to do church, a new way to to do something. I'm going to incorporate that, the latest fad, the latest trend. Maybe that's what you want. But look what he says. As for me, he starts with himself, and my family, (laughs) we're going to worship God. He makes it real clear is it clear in your family who you worship? I think this, uh, the ladies retreat's doing like the boss. And we got information out on the desk. Now some, as somebody's been asking, oh, what do you mean like the boss? I don't think ladies should be bossing anybody around. Listen, I want to tell you, if I thought we were doing something like that, I'd be gone. Okay. I don't want any women bossing me around. I'm angry at it. I get it. That's not what it, the retreat's about. It's being, how do we be like the master, like Jesus? And what I think is interesting about this is, is that that here is God. Here, it's clear. It's clear in Joshua's family who the boss is. Who's going to be the boss of the family, the head of the family? It's going to be God. And that the greatest thing you can do with your family is to clarify what the purpose of your family is going to be. Here, a Philippian jailer. This guy is not even a Christian yet. And he says, What do I do to be saved? And look what it look what the promise is given to him. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You and your family. Your family will be saved too. If you make a commitment to Christ, if you make it real clear that you're going to trust the Lord, your family is going to have it's going to have a positive impact on your family. So you've got to clarify. I hope I'm hoping in this series, ask God to help you clarify what is our real purpose as a family? Number three, resist comparing my family with another family. This is a big deal. Whenever we talk about family, what do we do? We start comparing ourselves with our family with another family. I wish you were like him, the wife might say. I wish you were like her, he might say. And the kids are going, I wish we had parents like... And and the parents go, I wish we had kids like... Because we always think that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence... Everybody's got a mess, folks. Don't let them, don't let don't let anybody fool you. Every family's got a mess. Look what the Bible says here. Each person should judge his own actions and not compare himself with others. Now, why are we encouraged not to compare with other people? Well, the problem is because it's not accurate. You're always gonna find somebody worse than you and you'll feel good, or somebody better than you and you'll feel bad. No. So you're really so what do I compare myself to? Well, instead of comparing myself to other people, as a believer, I'm called to compare myself with godly principles. And so that's what I'm hoping this series is going to help us do. We're going to look at principles in the scripture about what family's about. So, so it's, it's, it's about that. Resist that, that tendency to compare your, your family with another family. Because it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Number four. I need to remember that God wants me to enjoy my family. A lot of times we'll do a marriage series or we'll do a family series or we'll do any kind of, of class or something. And what do we do? Well, if you're like Denise and I, sometimes we go home and we start talking about, oh, I wonder if we we should be, we need to change this, we need to do this. And we get all caught up and get bothered and we get, it starts, creates all kinds of drama in our relationship, all kinds of drama. And by the way, I think sometimes we do need to get a little uncomfortable and there needs to be some drama. I'm not denying that. But, but, but a lot of times we'll listen to a, a, a series or go through a series like this and we begin to focus on the flaws and forget, and it takes our focus off of having some fun too. Just, have, just balancing out a little fun with each other. Look what the Bible says. The Bible encourages us folks to have fun. And that F word is not a bad word. We're just supposed to have fun with our family. Look what it says here. Enjoy life with your wife you love. Children are a gift from the Lord. They're a real blessing. You say, they're a gift, all right. Now I want to return that gift. No, they're a real blessing to enjoy. I'm, I'm doing some Hot Wheels racing this afternoon with some of my grandkids. Look here, grandchildren are a reward of old people. Why? Well, they tend to become allies against mom and dad. That's one of the reasons. That was a joke. No, but I'm just saying, is they're a reward. They're good. They're not a nuisance. They're not something you go, oh man, I got grandkids. What? No, they can be. It's a it's a reward. And so, instead of just focusing on problems during this series in your in your family, don't forget to focus a little bit on pleasure, and enjoy your family. Don't. uh, Are you saying, Tim? Don't take it so serious. Well, don't take it too seriously, or you can't you miss the balance here. And number five. I need to remember this. It's never too late for God to bless my family. It's never too late. You may say, oh, "My kids are grown." Doesn't matter. Well, they're not even at home anymore. Doesn't matter. Well, I don't have kids. Doesn't matter. You can bless your kids before your kids are born by simply and God can do that by simply getting ready for them. But it's never too late, never too early, to, for God to bless your family. Look at this in Micah seven, the description of the families in Micah's day. For a son dishonors his father. A daughter rises up against her mother. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the members of his own household. Whew, that's a mess. Huh? That's Thanksgiving. That's a mess. And in verse 7, look what Micah says. Though. This is verse 7. But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God my Savior. My God will hear me. Church, God needs strong families in the kingdom. He needs spiritually strong families in his kingdom. He wants strong families so they'll supply companionship and, and establish this, these values and develop good godly character for that lasts a lifetime. He, he, wants, he wants strong families so that they, they, he can use us and we can make a difference in our neighborhoods, in our extended family. And he's made his families, he wants us to enjoy them, and he wants to bless them. He needs strong families. He will bless your family if you trust him. In this series, I'm going to ask you, like he's asking here, you know, I'll ask, you bring your faith, and he says, I watch for hope, I watch in hope. You bring your hope here every Sunday, and expect God to teach you something that'll bless your home. And let's, let's make a commitment this morning. That we learn together, that we learn together what we can change in order for God to bless this mess. You've got a card that's in your bulletin and give you a chance to maybe, uh, there's a prayer request that you might want to write out. I need some prayers for this. Uh, there's a group of people that pray over your cards and pray through your cards. They don't talk to anybody else about what's on them. But I want you to know maybe there's a decision you need to make. You know, I need to pray that I can clarify the purpose and in my family, or maybe it's maybe you know my family's a mess and and uh, it's not perfect. But pray that I won't be discouraged by that, but to believe God can. It's not too late to bless my family. I'm gonna give you time to do that. We're going to be serving uh, wings and things. We'll let you know uh, after church here. They're getting it all ready. I hope you'll stick around. We're going to enjoy just like it says. We're going to eat, talk, and just enjoy being together. And uh, thank you for coming. If you're a guest here, we're, we're so glad you're. Here today, we're going to sing a song while you fill out those cards, and then we're going to sing another song and collect those cards along with our weekly contribution. If you're a guest, I just want you to know you're under no obligation to contribute this morning. You weren't invited here to get some money out of your pocket. We wanted to put something in your heart, something in your life that would change your life. Hope that's happened. So we're going to pray. And then uh, we're going to sing this song and start filling out those cards. God, thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for this series, Father. I just think about, you know, uh, no family's perfect, Father, but we bring our imperfect family to you and asking you, Father, to uh, help us, help us make our families great. Father, um, thank you for the companionship and the support we get from from each other. Father, thank you for. The godly character and the values that we did have, that we were taught in some way. Father, uh, we pray for more influence in that. Father, we thank you for, you know, the way you, you use families to teach us more about you. And Father, we know you, you want to use us. You want to use our wives, our children. Father, we pray that we'll see that this is not a church dominated by one family, the Gill family, the Hamlin family, Chapel family, Daniel's family. The Harder family, father, that it's not dominated by the Hawkins family, father. That it's that's not a family just about the Louvier family, father, or the Orr family, father. It's not it's not about it's not about uh, the Law family. This church is not about one particular family, but it's about your family. That we we'll look at each other in the tribes we're in, and we say, you know, this child belongs to God. This son, my son, belongs to you, father. My my grandparents belong to you. My grandchildren belong to you. My uncle and my aunt have a role in my family. And Father, my role and my aunt, and my uncle are your aunt and uncle that you put in my life for a purpose. Help us see that, Father, and help us see it's never too late for you to start blessing. We want to enjoy our families, and maybe some of us here do. We enjoy our families, and we just need to kind of balance it out now with a little bit of a, of looking and, and looking inside and seeing what kind of spiritual values we're teaching our family. Father, we pray that we'll resist comparing our family with others because it's a waste of time. And we pray, Father, that uh, that we'll learn what you bless and we'll begin to incorporate it. Thank you for the food, Father, for the wings and the things we're going to be eating and the time we're going to be together, Lord, just to enjoy our company. Wonderful, beautiful 60-degree weather right now, and we just thank you for that. And We pray you bless the rest of the day. In Christ's name, amen.